Thank you for tuning in to Kineticast. I'm your host, Bo Sauls. Today, we have Dr. Brennan joining us to talk about the single leg hop and how it applies to powerlifters and different types of athletes, as well as your everyday person. Dr. Brennan talks about his experience with weightlifting and how he's applying it with Highland Games athletes and different powerlifters, and how the single leg hop can correlate to the health of the athlete in the future. We apologize for the delay in episodes, but we have had some reschedules with different doctors due to scheduling changes with COVID-19, so we hope everybody is understanding. We think it's important that users hear different users and experts talk about the technology and how it can apply to healthcare, to performance, and all activities. We still have Dr. Joe who works with the system using CAMS in a very specific way. And also we're going to have a midwife that has partnered with us and we use the technology to help provide data for healthcare for pregnant women. Let's get started with single leg hop used clinically with Dr. Brennan Roche. Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in again. I'm Dr. Bo from Kineticast and today we have Dr. Brennan joining us again to talk about the single leg hop. Dr. Brennan, thanks for joining us. Hey, I'm excited to talk about the single leg hop today. Yeah, so we've gotten to use this multiple times, different athletes, uh, individuals that are not athletes, that are desk workers, uh, and then of course powerlifters, you have a ton of those, <laughs> a lot of powerlifters in Dallas. All the barbell athletes. That's right, man. You're making quite a name for yourself, too, so I'm pretty proud of you. That's awesome. Um, now, so the single leg hop module, what it does is it records the body in 3D, and an individual or athlete will jump off of one leg, land on the same leg, and it's going to measure the stability of the knee. It's going to measure how the hip moves. It's going to measure the ankle. It's going to measure the whole body, actually. But what the data that we're really pulling and tracking is how much that knee collapses, at the speed it collapses, how much the hip flexes, how strong that jump is, and, and we can see how much force comes out of the ground. And with all of this data, we can actually see if their athletes are at higher risk for ACL tears. Now, I keep saying athlete because this is one that we usually use on people that like to move. And it's not necessarily an athlete, but if you're a jogger or you still play like a club sport or... Uh, you you know, you play in a city league kind of thing, you're going to be at risk for an ACL tear if you're doing that. So what we can do is now use an objective measurement showing 3D analysis of your movement, and uh, we're going to go through a couple talking points. So let's start first. Uh, Dr. Brennan, why don't you talk about uh, some of the power lifters you put on there? Yeah, so we have a couple different, I have a couple different lifters, not necessarily just power lifters. Some of them Highland Games, uh, some of them CrossFitters. Uh, some of them everyday people, uh, but the main thing... No, that you don't have any everyday people, Brennan. <laughs> <laughs> none of those, none of those. The main thing that we see is uh, whenever I look at some of their movements and their lifts, and then the stability of their knee and the single leg jump, it always correlates. So whenever we do this single leg hop, which is an advancement from the jump that we do in cams, uh, we see a lot more information about the actual collapse of the knee and the speed of it. And whenever I see higher risk candidates on there it's often people i see with not so great technique that can't control their lower uh, extremity limbs while they're doing those different movements whether it be the olympic lifts or the power lifts or different things like that uh, whenever we see collapse of the knee on the single leg hop it often appears in those other lifts so do you think it uh, hits more for the lifters uh, at higher weights or is it more at rep rep count yeah, you definitely see it at the higher intensity and then also that fatigue point. So 
definitely when I've seen some of the higher level, higher intensity lifts of some of my lifters, that's whenever you see the most of that knee collapse. Talk about some of the weights there. So there's a like, correlation to how much these guys and women are actually lifting people. <laughs> right. So sometimes it's interesting. Sometimes some of my lifters lift anywhere from two to three times their body weights on squats and deadlifts. And they don't weigh light either. There's some, some big people coming through. Yeah, anywhere from our smallest athlete, smallest power lifter is in the 114 all the way up into the super heavyweights. I think uh, some of our biggest power lifters are around 350. Yeah, that's, and it's wild because that's uh, three times their body weight. <laughs> so um, now, now, of course, the 350s aren't squatting 900s and all that. We would hear about them a little bit more, I think. But you might actually help them get to that point too, which is really cool. And you're utilizing the single leg hop in a different way probably than most people think because they're immediately you're going to think soccer, they're going to think volleyball, they're going to think basketball, right? Like these are the ones that we know knees go out all the time. But you're immediately correlating this test to this is exactly what happens whenever you get to a high level lift or an exhaustion fatigue point. So we can measure that for you and help you strengthen that and give you objective data of how you're progressing or regressing with this. You have to look at the system overall. If you look at the kinetosense like movement screen and you try to apply it to just athletes, that's where uh, people get bogged down at. It's not right. just for athletes. Just like this single leg hops, not just for athletes that play in jumping sports. Like right. This can be applicable to people who aren't playing jumping sports, people who are running, people who are different, uh, well, yeah, doing different running, type of right? activities. Exactly. Anything that's going to be more <laughs> unstable. The, like This is great because it removes the body from the ground. Like you no longer are in a closed chain. You have to jump off the ground completely open, full body, and you're landing and stabilizing all of your body weight on one leg. Yep. So it's a complicated move, and it's good. That it's really cool to see how, how you've been correlating that. Now, one thing I want to go back to that you're saying, um, this is actually the talking point I was going to go into too. Let's talk about some of the normal people that we see that we've used it on. You know, like this is not like, let's talk about a desk worker that's not even a mover. I have one of those. So there's a hip issue going on. And she's not 100% sure that it's actually her hip or what's going on. And I keep trying to tell her, like, look, you need to work on dorsiflexion of your ankle. And you've got to build some, some more stability. You don't have enough. So the cams highlighted the right areas. It showed me the ankle. It showed me an SI joint. And it showed me, I think, thoracic mobility, which was something that was a key for her. But what she didn't correlate was how this leg stability that was asymmetrical on one side was causing her a ton of load into her low back and hip and her knee. She basically, after we did the single leg hop, she saw the number on the right versus the left and saw that one was much higher and one was much lower. And then one said uh, good and one says high risk. And if you have that level of something that shows up for somebody, I look right at that person and say, you see this, correct? I said, I did not do this. That is your body moving right now on a screen. So you need to correct this. And it builds even more power toward the rehab. It wasn't like the first thing I started with her, but on the second or on the third visit, I did it because she wasn't necessarily doing her rehab. And as soon as I did that, her rehab picked up. She started to feel a little bit better, started to move a little better, gain some stability, and her scores are going up. She's not better yet, but she's got some work to do. And what I love is that people are like, Doc, can I, can I do two sets on that side for every set I do on the other side? Yeah, no, every <laughs> they time. They want to get that better. Yeah. I mean, it's cool. And they, they build, like, they, they ask if it's okay every time right they want to they want to know is it okay that i do one side and usually i'm the guy that's like hey we want to keep everything even be pretty bilateral with everything but i've had the, the individuals where i'm like yeah go ahead and do like three sets or uh 
five sets to two. You know what I mean? Split it up a little bit. So that's the that would be the everyday person case. Now I know I want to talk about my basketball player that I use this on. There's a pretty cool story on that. But uh, what's the what's the one patient you think of immediately when we think single leg hop? Uh, recently, I had a like you say a desk worker, and his secondary hobby is going up trails and stuff like that. So he's not running, but he is weighted and going up elevation. Yeah. Uh, but he about one year ago was cleaning out his house. Uh, on the on a ladder, uh, fell down and broke his tibula and fibula. Ooh, yeah, gruesome. So he, it's been about a year. He went through surgery. He's went through rehab, uh, and now he still needs a little bit more help. He wants to keep moving better. So when he came in, that was after we did the movement screen. That was the first thing I did was one of those tests because just doing the movement screen, we saw a lot. I was like, yeah, we need to we need to do this on him too. I'll see some good info. And man, the difference between the left leg and the right leg, and see. He's, He's right dominant, so he feels strong on that right side, but it, it showed the difference for him. He knew that even after doing rehab, he still wasn't quite where he needed to be. Which is really cool because it's another way to measure like how much more rehab they need. Like, I'm, not, I'm not saying how much more you need to do. I think that most people should be constantly doing stuff to improve their body. But like this will show that you're not strong yet. You're not symmetrical yet. Uh, that's what you need. You need the symmetry. And I know everyone has some asymmetries to them that can go to anatomy, that can go to kinetic movement, it can go to anything, right? Fascial planes. Um, but if we can stabilize and get more symmetrical, we're not going to load extra tissues, right? Right. And just because that was his dominant side, like he felt more confident in it. He felt like it was just as stable as the <laughs> other side. Yeah. And as we went through the lunge, she was like, oh, that was a little different. <laughs> yeah. Then we do the first jump in the uh, cams and he's like, Oh, that was hard. I tag everybody on the lunge. I'm like, oh, yeah? Look at that. Look at that. And I, re- I press replay, and I make them watch it like three times on the screen, on the TV. And they're, they're like, oh, man, I do see that. I'm like, you need to fix that. Right. I'm like, you move like this all the time. You go down to pick up something. You go to one knee to tie your shoe. You Anything, right? Like, this is how you move. So you should probably be a little more stable and a little more symmetrical so you're not loading. <laughs> that's like it's improper loading, right? That's that's what we don't want. And your body does it every day, and that's rep count. It's rep count every time. I do have to ask you one question though. Did you say tibula and fibula? Because I'm pretty sure I heard tibula and fibula. I sure might have said tibula. Okay. Um, we the quick story there. I have some friends that uh, we're, we were in Cairo school, right? So whenever we were in school, the guy's wife was in there in the room with us, and she's going to P, uh, PT or AT. She was an athletic trainer, and they are sitting above her, and she's like in the, the basic like first round of stuff, right? So it's not a huge thing, but they're like, you have to find the tibula. And they kept telling her that. And she was looking through the book. She spent like 25 minutes like researching and looking at different books. And then finally they, they told her. So sorry, Dr. Brennan, I had to call you out on that one just a little <laughs> bit. Um, so let's go. I want to talk about the basketball player. So um, my basketball player that came to me, she uh, is in high school. She's being recruited by multiple schools right now. She's more proactive with me and her mom brought her in to be preventative. They saw this. They saw the technology on an ad that we had. And they came in. And they've sent me a ton of people after this, by the way. So big, big push there for, like, put the technology on your ads, right? <laughs> Let people see what we're doing. Anyway, uh, so she came in. And when she came to me on the cam screen, I noticed that uh, on the single leg hop, she had quite a bit of valgus collapse. And I thought, ah, oh, well, that's not good. And she was a little uneven on the lunge, but it wasn't that bad. But she did have that valgus collapse. 
So I didn't have single leg hop yet, which when they first started with me. So we went a couple weeks, we worked on some stuff, and I showed them just the functional recording of her jumping in different ways over and over and over again. I was show, I was building that that I, that thought for her that your knee should never do that, especially as a tall female high school athlete. High risk for ACL tears, right? So um, we got the single leg hop in, and she was always like, it was getting it was getting better and it was getting better. We pulled the single leg hop up, and it shows the left side at like 95 and the right side in like the 60s. And her mom was just sitting there, arms crossed, staring at her. And I said, you've been doing that rehab? And she goes, probably not as consistently as I should have. And I said, that's okay. But you need to think that you're putting a lot of stress on your body. You're playing tournaments with everything going on now, right now. You're just loading up a ton because you're doing back-to-back stuff, your tournaments. Like, it's really weird how they've, how they've set like, all the AAU and everything now because of COVID and everything we're dealing with. But um, she's really loaded up with games back-to-back multiple weeks. So uh, I was like, that's fatigue. Your fatigue is going to set in. This is going to get worse. So she actually picked up her rehab, started doing it, increased her scores, and we saw just a huge change in her. And uh, her dad came in for a visit the next week after we had done some, like, we saw the scores go up. And he said, I want to thank you because last week, two girls on the team that we play on tore their ACLs. Two. As we're literally trying to fix, like, or fix a problem that can cause an ACL tear. And he was like, he was just so grateful. He said, we're going to start sending just about the whole team. And I was like, oh, cool. Why don't you send the whole team? <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> but it's a cool, like, it's a, it's awesome. Like, I'm so glad I got to help her. It's just frustrating hearing other athletes, like, that could be preventing, preventing this. And we know women have increased Q angles. We know that there's a lack of hips, uh, glute med stability and hip stability. And not just glute med, but hip stability in multiple athletes, especially these young females. And we know once you sustain a tragic injury like that once, it's it's hard to make a comeback. Well, you can make a comeback from it, but you'll always like know that issue is there. It's yep. always there, and there's always a little bit more concern. There's more concern, and you're going to change how you move. You change how you move because if you're scared of the injury that you had before, and you're not going to do the same things, which you can't be a good athlete if you're doing that. All right, so now let's talk about what we're actually measuring, Okay. So I'm going to list it out really quick. Then I want you to give me some of your opinions uh, that you've seen correlate to the lifters that you work with. And then I'm going to talk to you about kind of my, I'm sure we'll be on the same thought process here, but we'll see what happens. (laughs) All right. So the single leg hop, you have varus valgus collapse rate, meaning varus knee out, valgus knee in. Uh, A doctor that I know is a really nice guy and I really like him. I respect him. He told me something when I was younger. If you think varus the pigs, and let the pigs running through your, and between your legs, you have to push your knees out so you have varus. And then valgus is just the opposite, right? So varus the pigs, if you guys ever can't remember that. I, I'll never forget that. He said that one time to me, and I've never forgot it. And I've told so many people about that. Anyway, uh, the, v, the varus valgus collapse rate is going to show at which, uh, what speed that knee goes from outer positioning to an inner collapse. And it's gonna, that's an important stat for us because that shows how fast it hits that ACL. Then it also will show hip flexion, which is going to show us how deep they're getting into the hip on that jump on each side. It'll also show us the power output. And the power output's important because we can see if they're driving as much strength through each side, and we can do comparison data with that too. So it's, it's really good to see, and you can also see the angle. Uh, I, I didn't say that part. The angle and the degree of the varus knee and the valgus knee. So it'll show how far varus it went and how far valgus it went. I like a little bit of varus movement because I like to get that screw in method and lock in. But that's what we, those are the stats we look at. So Dr. Brennan, why don't you talk about how 
that correlates to what you've seen in, in your athletes. Yeah, so in some of them we've seen where they have large amounts of angles. So going from a four uh, varus to a four valgus position, um, but at a slower rate. So they're controlling it a little bit more, but way too much actual movement. Right. And then we've also seen the opposite of that, where the movement wasn't quite as great, but the collapse was fast. And those were typically in the more powerful people, the more people right. they're actually Explosive. getting pretty high up in yeah. that single leg hop. You're seeing a little bit less collapse, but a lot faster of a rate. Right. Um, so it's a little more concern, I believe. Yeah. Uh, but that's why we work on their rehab and get them to start improving that stability so that they can actually see these numbers improve and control that knee a little more. While still being explosive. And that's the big part, right? Like that's when they're losing it. They're, that's why we want to test it because this is testing you, again, open circuit and explosiveness. That's when you're going to lose your, that's when you're going to show your stability problems. So we can now see that that knee is hitting. So on the rates, this is kind of what I go off of, like numbers wise. Like I don't, I don't know how accurate this is because it's just what I've correlated with my patients, right? And this is new technology to everybody. So we're, we're all trying to do the best we can and just give more data. But what I've seen is the varus valgus collapse rates at about 50 is a normal good number for, I would say. But my athletes that I've seen and some of the desk workers, I have a soccer player that was a club soccer player who showed up at very high risk both sides. He actually hit 150 and like 145 on the varus valgus collapse rate. Remember, I said I thought 50 was a good, solid, uh, strong number. And then his de angle of degree, we, I think about what, five degrees of varus is probably good, five to eight. And then the valgus, you want to keep it under really under eight, I would say. You don't want to go on above that at all. But five or under is probably safe. Um, so he hit a varus of two and a valgus of 15. And I was like, I looked right at him and I said, man, you need to work on this. This is, you play soccer twice or three times a week. I said, if you don't work on this, you're going to, I mean, that's, that's like the worst screen I've ever seen on this. I had to tell him, I said, I'm not seeing worse on this. You need to take control of that. So I would say that's about how I correlate the numbers. And then the hip flexion, the hip flexion, you want to get up, I think, close to 9, 10 degrees. And a lot of people are only hitting one and two. And 9, 10 means you're getting depth. You can get into that hip. You've got the mobility, the stability to drop down and just explode out. Um, but when you're super low, you're not flexing that hip. So how are you jumping? Right. Straight through the knee. Bending through the Correct. knee. And <laughs> Correct. And not getting much power. Right. So that's, that's kind of how I think I look at the numbers. Would you say that's fairly accurate or what, how do you do? Yeah, no, I see about the same thing around that 8 to 10 degree mark for the hip flexion, maybe even just a little bit more. Right. Uh, At least minimum, right? we gotta have we got to have some type of minimum so that we can say, hey, get to this number. Right. And sometimes, I mean, that can be a good thing because you can actually, if it's an athlete that hasn't really thought about the way that they jump, you can teach them like, look, you're not even bending at the hip. You're getting all this uh, motion from the knee and the ankle. And some athletes have compensated enough that they can generate a great amount of power just from the ankle and oh, yeah. the uh, knee. So wow. if you can get their hip into the equation, like, man, that's they just developed exactly. a whole nother power capacity. Exactly. And you've now taken them as another level of athlete. That's what I keep telling these people. I'm like, look, control your body. You're going to be able to do more. You can build more strength. You're going to be in more control. You're going to be safer. You're going to be a better athlete. It is what it is. And golfers all the time tell me, they're like, oh, my golf game's better, man. I'm like, awesome. That's that's great. You're probably just moving better. <laughs> Golf is a very rotary sport. You got to be got to have great rotation. You got to have strength in that transverse abdominis. But when we look at the single leg hop, that's when we see these athletes that are jumpers, right? Basketball players that don't even bend at the hip. 
They but how many people have been taught to jump? So then we get into a different conversation and topic because of all the screens we're doing, cams, all the move. We're teaching people how to squat, teaching people how to lunge, teaching people how to move properly. And then on the single leg hop, now we're teaching people how to jump. And if you can do all the yeah, (laughs) never land. They just keep flying away. Just jump so high, hang on the rim, buddy. Never let go. Um, But but the thing is, like they're learning movement, right? And that correlates to everything throughout life, not just your sport, but your future your degeneration, arthritic condition, everything. It's going to look at systemic disease as well. So if we continue to work on these movements, we're going to continue to improve the future of these patients. And I talk about it all the time. You're in here for a hip, a knee, an ankle, shoulder, whatever, right? Whatever it is, you came in for this. But I care more about 10 to 20 years down the road for you. Because if you continue on your path now, you're, not going to, you're probably not going to do too well as your shoulder doesn't even move now. So let's, let's get some work done, let's clean up the injury, and then let's try to focus on functionality so that in 10 years you're still walking without pain, doing what you want to do, picking grandkids up and lifting them over your head. Like that's got to be the number one like, example I use. You need to be able to bend down, pick up a grandkid, and put them over your head because you do not want to be the person that can't. It's, it's a tough mental thing. You got to have a lot of lower extremity stability to do Heck that. Heck yeah. You got to have a hip hinge. You got to have a screw in. You got to have the mobility, the stability in the scaps. I mean, good core spinal stability, but that's what we work on, right? Like we, we are literally stabilizing and mobilizing people and we can see exactly where they need it. So that's what the cams, of course, but the single leg hop just gives us that extra explosive movement. And think about that. How many, how many basketball teams and football teams, volleyball Softball, baseball, all of these sports. How many of them you think want to know who, which athlete is most at risk for an ACL tear? Right, and it's just great to see how kinetics has continued to evolve. Because we used at the end of cams, we just do a single leg jump, but we land on two legs, and we're measuring more of just our vertical power, power output, output, right? Yeah. Uh, versus the single leg jump, where we're jumping and landing on one leg and getting much more information about how they're actually jumping, how they're actually landing, oh, yeah. uh, and bracing for that. Like, it's, it's cool to see how the technology continues to advance, because whenever we first used it, there wasn't a cam. So, I mean, it was just yeah, I remember range that. of motion. I remember we had range of motion, posture, posture balance, balance, and functional, right? Right. So we were doing a lot of it. We did everything on functional, didn't we? We were, like, we were just recording everything. <laughs> like, you can't do this very well. You can't do this very well. And they're like, what do these degrees, what do these numbers mean? Now we have a scoring system. Now we have actual, like, hey, this is red, meaning stability. Blue means mobility. You have six mobilities. You need to get on a foam roller or do something with your life. But it's uh, that's where the patient connects. So they're going to see more of that. We're going to keep getting more data. And if you think about it, if we do a full functional movement screen, highlighting the top six dysfunctions and scoring like through functionality, of course, stability, flexibility, all this, we're taking all that data. Now we're taking single leg hop data that shows how well you stabilize on one leg when you jump and land on it. So you can see the control of the leg. Then we're doing a gait analysis, and we're watching how the patterns of walking, watching the hips shifting, the shoulders shifting during different heel strikes. I mean, what else? Like we're doing bar lifting too. Like we have the, we have the movements. Like so, we have we always do deadlift, power clean, squats. We all we measure these. We use it every day on people. All of this data, and then if we can't, if, the, if there's if there's no information to help them move better, I mean, I, I couldn't believe that there would be. You know what I mean? Like there's we're so much information there. And we have to go through it and then focus on their greatest weaknesses. And when we focus on the greatest weakness, their greatest weaknesses become strengths. Yep. Helping people learn how to move from the basic thing of how to differentiate hip 
uh, pelvic from lumbar movement all the way down to this knee stability stuff with the single leg hop. So it's interesting to see all the different levels that we can do with the technology. Yeah, and I think that, again, more data provided to the patients gives them more power, which gives them more control of their own health care, doing more rehab, and getting more people better. I mean, this, the people will do their stuff. If they have a reason, and they have a measurement, and they have a number, this is how they get, this is how they'll do rehab. Yep. All right, well, Dr. Brendan, thanks for joining us for Single Leg Hop. We'll have you back again, of course, because the more new screens we get with Kineticense, the more we get to test and find out. <laughs> and I'm a little bit of a geek about it. I love putting people on the system and just highlighting weaknesses. I don't know. I maybe like just to like to tear apart people and say where they're all bad at and never give them any compliments. I feel like I get stuck there. It's always fun to try new stuff. So those new features are always cool. Oh, yeah. When the next ones come, we'll be ready. All right, Dr. Brennan, thanks again. Yes, sir. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the episode. Dr. Brennan and I always enjoy talking with each other and talking about different theories, especially when it comes to the technology. I think it's important to focus on how Dr. Brennan said that the single leg hop gave him more data for his high-end athletes and showed points of failure that they would hit when they would hit high reps or heavy load. Don't forget we got Dr. Joe joining us to talk about using cams on a specific age of population and how it can correlate to functionality and progression and regression as well as a midwife joining us to talk about how we use 3D posture analysis and different movement screens with the pregnant women to help their process through pregnancy. Remember to go to www.kineticense.com to book your free online demo. Thank you for listening to this episode. I'm your host, Bo Sauls, and let's keep learning about movement, performance, and rehab together.